Welcome to Becoming Unique, episode 26. Welcome. So I would like to start today's show off with a quote. And the quote is, life is not happening to you, but for you. I believe the first time I was introduced to this quote was from the Ed Milet podcast show. If you guys are like true podcast listeners, definitely get up on Ed Milet. He definitely has a great podcast. But anywho, um, he always would say this quote. And I just was like, wow, it's just so true. Like, if you really think about it, we can sit down and be like, oh, my God, like, why is this happening to me? Like, why is my life like this? But if you look at it from a different perspective, you will be able to see why life is happening for you. Sometimes us not getting exactly what we want is a blessing. It's a blessing or a redirection to something else. And I have a little example. It's not a super powerful example, but it's my example. Um, When I started my Becoming Unique journey, a part of starting the journey was joining a gym. You know, and I joined the gym at that point purely for vanity reasons. I'm not even like a gym person. I'm not, you know, I understand some people like, you know, they get their stress off at the gym. That's their zone. That's their place. That The gym doesn't do any of that for me. I solely wanted to join the gym because I was definitely probably at my highest weight in my, um, in my life and I wanted to trim a few pounds and basically get a flat stomach. So, and I felt like I just needed to get to the gym so I could get my flat stomach and then have this vision of this 21 year old body. <laughs> like I'm going to get back to my 20 year old body. Um, and yeah, three years later, I still don't have a flat stomach, but <laughs> Three years later, oh my goodness, that me not getting what I wanted was the biggest blessing. Because if I went into the gym and I did what I needed to do in the gym and within a couple of months I had my flat stomach, I would have walked away from the gym and kept living the exact same lifestyle that I was living. Thinking like, okay, I I did what I needed to do. I got my flat stomach and now I'm done because that's purely the only reason why I thought, you know, I needed to go to the gym. But with going to the gym, that's where I truly like was able to embrace and discover yoga to a different level. Not like this is the first time I took a yoga class throughout the years of my life. Anytime I was like, oh, I need to get my life together. I always would stop and take a yoga class for like a week. It didn't that would be the end of it, like after that week trial. So throughout the years, yes, I have taken a yoga class here and there, but it has never been a commitment. But once I was a member at the gym, now it's like after a couple of months of just like playing around in the gym and just really trying to figure it out, I really discovered yoga. And then with taking yoga, like it's definitely, you know, a mind, body, spirit type of experience. And I, you know, I was able to start digging deeper into myself and just really, you know, getting introduced to another part of myself and another place. And I wouldn't have been able to have that discovery if I got what I wanted. If I walked in that gym and I got that flat stomach within a couple of months, I would have left the gym and be like, I'm good and had that cockiness. But by me not getting what I want, I got so much more, so much more. There probably wouldn't have been a Becoming Unique podcast right now. All of these discoveries that I'm making with my life right now probably wouldn't have happened because at that moment. Yeah, so today's episode is called Healing Beyond Diet. And I wanted to give that example because me not getting what I wanted was exactly what I needed for the healing process that I needed to go through to be on a journey, to take me to the journey that I am currently on, the journey of stepping into myself, becoming unique. 
So today I have an amazing conversation with Nicole Charles and she has a beautiful blog and Instagram page called Heal Me Delicious. And I almost wanted to name this podcast Heal Me Delicious before I even had a conversation with um, Nicole because I just loved it. It was like, heal me delicious. Her Instagram feed is so beautiful and it's just perfect. But once I had this conversation with Nicole, healing is so much more than a beautiful Instagram feed or the diet that you may be on. Healing is just way deeper than that. And in today's episode, we're going to explore that. There will be some discussion of AIP and the AIP is an autoimmune protocol way of eating. So Nicole's going to touch base on that and she's going to touch base on so much more. We're going to dive deep. Like I said, this season is diving deep. We're going to talk about well, the wellness space and being a woman of color in the wellness space. So definitely stay tuned to the end. This conversation is amazing. Another healing episode because I told you from the beginning, this year is channeling and healing. And today we have Heal Me Delicious, Nicole Charles. She is going to give it to us. So let's get into it. Yes. Today on the Becoming Unique podcast, I have the pleasure of talking with Nicole from Heal Me Delicious. Welcome. Hi, Unique. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it so much that you are here with us. I love to have uh, all these amazing guests on to just share a piece of their story and just school us all. (laughs) Before we actually get started, I want you to tell everyone who Nicole is. So my name is Nicole Charles. I was born and live currently in Toronto, Canada, but I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, which I still call my home. I am a Virgo sun and Sagittarius rising. So if you're into astrology, I really resonate with these signs. Uh, I love to laugh. I love to be on the beach. I live with an autoimmune disease and which I'm happy to talk about today in connection with the autoimmune paleo protocol. And I'm a major foodie. I always like to say that if food was a love language, it would be mine. And I guess professionally, I am a professor. I, I teach women and gender studies. And I'm a yoga teacher and Reiki healer and the recent founder of Heal Me Delicious, which is a place where I I really can combine all these different lived experiences and forms of expertise around food and mindfulness and autoimmunity with my passions for social justice and so forth. Ah, I love it. You are so (laughs) well-rounded. I love that. I love that you're Reiki, you're yoga, you're a professor. It's just a full package. I absolutely love it. Girl power, girl power. Um, <laughs> it's all part. It's all part of my healing journey, which is just my life journey. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it all. So I'm so happy that you are here to just bless us with some of that. Please tell the audience like a breakdown of what is AIP. Because I've been yeah. AIP and, you know, coming along my ways with being on Instagram and so on. But I just want, I want to be completely schooled. And I want the audience to be schooled in case you don't know what AIP is. Yeah, absolutely. So AIP stands for the Autoimmune Paleo Protocol. And that is a complementary lifestyle and diet approach to managing chronic illness. So as I mentioned, I mentioned I live with an autoimmune disease which is Graves disease, and that causes hyperthyroidism. And that's what led me to the autoimmune paleo protocol. So in terms of eating, AIP is an extension of the paleo diet, Mm -hmm. and it involves eliminating foods that are known to potentially stimulate the immune system or cause inflammation in the body. So the dietary portion of the protocol consists first of an elimination phase where you eliminate a number of different food groups, Coincidentally, many of these include many of the top allergens. 
And then after elimination, you reintroduce foods one by one, and that allows you to clearly identify which foods might be triggers for you. And beyond avoiding inflammatory foods, there's also a, a really important focus on the autoimmune paleo protocol on nutrient density. So just as it's important to eliminate certain foods in the first phase, it's also important throughout the protocol to focus on nutrient dense foods like fermented foods, organ meat, seafoods, fresh fruit and vegetables that are known to be optimal for healing. And so that's the food part. But in addition to food, AIP is also a lifestyle. And so as a lifestyle, AIP encourages stress management, which is the biggest battle for many people, including myself. The food part is easy because I love to cook. Mm -hmm. uh, it also includes exercise, but not overtraining, right? So really finding that balance that's optimal for your body and your constitution. It's different for all of us and adequate sleep. So these are all things that comprise the AIP or the autoimmune paleo protocol. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I have a question. Yeah. Greg, it's an elimination diet, um, which I completely understand. What's the time frame that one would want to eliminate for? Like, is it two weeks, a month, six months? Like, is there a time frame that you should eliminate these things before reintroducing them back in? Yeah, so I'll, I mean, I'll mention that I'm not a health coach and everybody should work with a practitioner, whether you're on this protocol or not, mm -hmm. uh, around your health. But there is an understanding that you want to do this for a minimum of 30 days before beginning to reintroduce foods. And it's different for each of us, depending on a variety of things, right? But just using me for an example, I have been living with an autoimmune disease for close to a decade. And it was only within the past two years that I turned to this protocol. So I, I find that I had a lot of work to do in healing my gut before I was able to begin to reintroduce things. And so for each of us, it's different, but it is the reintroduction portion of this protocol is, is just as important as the elimination, right? Because it's not meant to be, um, you're not meant to be on this AIP diet for the rest of your life. Certainly the lifestyle components will be beneficial forever, but the elimination phase, is just one phase. Okay. Okay. So that's so good to know. I feel like I need to um, <laughs> check this diet out myself because I feel like I, <laughs> I'm always like sensitive to something and I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but I don't know if I can mentally wrap my head around it right now. Um, but I'm assuming once I get there, I'm going to have my journal ready and just start taking notes when I'm ready to like hit that road. But um, yeah. you also mentioned that it's not just about the diet. It's about, yeah. you know, adding other things into your lifestyle as well too. So mm -hmm. can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said, for me, the, the dietary component of the protocol was the easiest and everyone's different. And part of the reason I created Heal Me Delicious was because I recognized that the food part was such a struggle for so many people. And I wanted to share my experience. I've worked as a chef before for a brief, brief portion of my life. And I've always loved to cook. And so I felt that I had the tools and the expertise to be able to share, share this with people and to show them that, you know, it's not, it's not, doesn't mean deprivation and you can still live a really delicious life even when you're in the elimination phase of the protocol. In terms of other areas that you can incorporate and, and personally what that looked like for me was really focusing on reducing my stress, which we are all incredibly busy juggling career, family expectations, caregiving responsibilities, the list is endless, but it meant kind of stepping back and, and figuring out what I could, where I could scale back and where I could lean into more in my life to help me balance that stress. So just kind of letting people know that I was not going to be showing up in the same way because it was not beneficial to my health. Health, And this was very difficult, right? It meant letting go of certain types of relationships uh, that were not beneficial to me or where I felt like all I was doing was giving and it wasn't nourishing to me. Mm -hmm. I turned to yoga and Reiki and meditation before I began the autoimmune paleo protocol as kind of as I was beginning to realize that I needed to change my lifestyle. And these have really become cornerstones of my healing journey. And so 
while I, you know, I did my yoga teacher training in vinyasa yoga, which I love, but more and more I have been gravitating to restorative yoga because I recognize that my body is really responding well to that. So it's just kind of making these small but significant changes in every aspect of my life, whether it be in yoga, whether it be in my academic research, you know, in my teaching, in my relationships with my students, in now in this endeavor to do blogging, right? Like really putting boundaries around how much of my time I give to this project, which I love. And I recognize that it's a service to my community, but ensuring that that too doesn't become a source of stress is something that I'm working on. And I, it, it's a practice like everything else in life. Yeah, it sounds like that. Um, like you said, to go with the diet, we need to make sure that it's a full package. You know, it's not just about what you're eating. It's about the wellness that we're create, creating around us, you know, with being Absolutely. mindful of, like, like you said, you started with vinyasa yoga, but being mindful that maybe restorative yoga is um, more beneficial towards you and that we're all, you know, individuals and then we all will receive things a little bit different. But it sounds like that you really started to walk into the wellness space with, um, with the autoimmune disease to, mm -hmm. you know, try to have your lifestyle, um, you know, be a little more fulfilled and more fruitful um, I'm, I'm hearing from you, it sounds like. So with yeah. walking into like the wellness space, um, did you feel comfortable with walking into a wellness space as a woman of color? So I think that's a great question. In some respects, yes, and in others, no. I, as, as I shared, I'm an academic and I'm one of very few academics of color. So in some ways I'm used to it. I share this a lot in many of the public appearances I've done that in my graduation, my convocation ceremony, when I got my PhD, I was the only visibly black woman. Mm -hmm. And that was just so telling, right, of, of academia. And so mm -hmm. I'm used to it, but it doesn't necessarily make it feel any less isolating, right? I'm just used to having to flex that muscle of courage to, to show up and believe in myself and my strengths and my wisdom. And so in terms of the wellness space of yoga and, and blogging, I think I'm kind of at the point where I want to bridge that knowledge and like my academic area of research, my academic areas of research are gender, race and health. And so I wanna bridge that with my food blogging, right? I, I really deeply believe that anti-oppression and food and lifestyle and mindset are central to a holistic understanding of healing. So my mission, in addition to sharing recipes and wellness tips for those like me who are navigating chronic illnesses is to work with health and wellness entrepreneurs and brands towards equity, diversity and anti-racism within the food and wellness industry at large. So that's something that's, that's definitely coming and part of this Heal Me delicious and heal me incorporation that I hope to be building. Oh, I love that. I love that you're being mindful um, of that as well, too. And you're like going to be incorporating this within your brand opposed to just, mm -hmm. you know, just thinking about you. It's like you're thinking about the collective. And I think that's so beautiful. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. What advice would you give a woman of color walking into the wellness space since it, it could be intimidating um, when you walk into a room that, you know, people may not look like you and then, you know, you're trying to embrace an environment that, you know, where you may not see many people around there that look like you. Do you have any advice yeah. for women of color? Yeah, um, don't be afraid to take up space and shine your light, you know? I think connecting with other women and people of color has been super beneficial and empowering and nourishing for me. I think there's this common misperception, which in and of itself is, is rooted in microaggressions and forms of racism, that there just aren't a lot of us out there, right? Or, you know, I've heard there aren't as many BIPOC, Black and Indigenous people of color 
um, yoga teachers. And that's why we don't have as many of them in our studios, right? When I've questioned studios on why the teaching staff is so overwhelmingly white. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true, right? We need to be questioning, well, well, what are the barriers to underrepresented folks completing their yoga teacher training? for instance, right? We know that a YTT is sometimes exorbitantly expensive. And so maybe we should be offering scholarships so that we might see more representation in our studios, not just in terms of practitioners, but instructors, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm digressing. The point was to say that, um, you know, connect with other BIPOC in the wellness space. There are many of us. I recently got connected with the Food and Wellness Equity Collective, which is where we got introduced. Yes. And it's not exclusively a, a, a BIPOC space, but it's one filled with allies to really support diversity and equity and inclusion. And, you know, I just want to share to, to others to never feel the need to cater to a certain mainstream audience because what makes you magnetic and special is not conforming to the norm. It's just bringing your uniqueness and your uniqueness and all its color and, and beauty. What about you? How, what, what would you think and what have your experiences been like in the wellness space? I know this is an interview with me, but <laughs> you have so much experience yourself. Um. Yeah, definitely. When I started my yoga um, journey, um, and I'm still pretty new in it because I just started it um, when I joined the gym. I joined the gym at the end of 2017. So really, I started practicing yoga around 2018 because when I joined the gym, you know, I was really trying to navigate what was going to be for me. I was taking every type of class, you know, the hit, mm. met, the, you know, but yeah. by 2018, I kind of kept being led to yoga. I was just looking like on the schedule, when's the yoga class? When's the yoga class? Because it was just something about the energy of yoga and the pace of yoga. Um, I, I think I'm more of a calmer individual where I don't like all that, like jumping in the air and picking the weights up and all that. <laughs> that was just too much for me. I was like, I, I don't think I can handle this. You know, I don't think, not my body couldn't handle it, but my, um, my personality. So um, I was drawn to yoga, but at the same time, I noticed I was 90, <laughs> 98% of the time I was the only woman of color in the class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, it was very clear that I was the only woman of color in the class. And I realized at the beginning of yoga, um, uh, the teachers were always asked, is there anyone new to the class? And I, you know, at the beginning, I just thought this was a standard question that they asked, <laughs> but I realized it was geared towards me because like, let's say a year later, I was taking all these same classes, same teachers, and they never asked the question. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb over here because um, yeah. before we start, raise your hand if you're new to the class or something, or, you know, new to yoga or whatever the case is. Um, and I don't know. I don't even know if this would relate, but you know, I was going to the gym. I'm a stay at home mom. And at the same time, I was like, Oh, I, I feel like I want to, um, a little part-time job. I wouldn't mind working here at the gym. This could be perfect. Or my kids are in school. I could be here at the gym working mm -hmm. in the front desk. So I, I definitely entertained, um, working at the gym and I stopped the entertainment because then in my mindset, I was like, I don't want them to think I'm here just because I work here. I yeah, want them to right. think I'm here. So I didn't end up applying for a job because I was like, I want them to think I'm, no, not think, no, I'm here because I feel like I'm equal. I'm not just coming in here thinking, oh, I, she's getting free classes because she's, you know, working at the front desk. Right. Um, so yeah, I, and, and that's really sad that you felt that way and that that's the world that we live in. But yeah. I think, you know, it's absolutely right. It's not just like making people believe that you belong there because you do believe you do belong there. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So why was I, you know, surrounded around these thoughts, you know, where yeah. I literally said, I'm not going to do this because they're going to think I work here. And I used to think mm -hmm. even before I even thought about applying, I was like, they probably think I work here. They probably just think I'm a, you know, <laughs> and then yeah. um, <laughs> or whatever the case is. So yeah, I, you know, I hope, um, when my daughters at my age, they don't have these feelings when they walk into a place. Um, yeah. Think, oh, I hope they don't think I'm a part of, you know, the crew. I hope they understand that I'm an equal member as they are. I didn't come mm -hmm. in the back door. Um, Absolutely. <laughs>
so yeah so so yeah that definitely yeah it, it, i shouldn't be thinking this way but yeah that that's the state of the culture that we are in right now <laughs> yeah that's that's the culture in which we grew up and live you know yeah yeah so um so yeah yeah i realized that i feel like even going into wellness type stores like i always feel like you know I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a sore thumb, like sticking <laughs> right out, <laughs> me and my daughter. Yeah. And, and, and that speaks to branding and representation and marketing. And, you know, there's so many ways that the systemic racism is embedded into the system, not just in terms of what it looks like in a yoga classroom, but what it looks like online when we go to purchase wellness products and what, who we see represented there right it really translates across across the system yeah um, I don't even know how I'm trying to think I feel like I would have more to share but I can't even think right now but that was just like the one thing I remember so clearly is just always having that feeling it's like I hope they don't think I'm an employee I want them to know I'm I'm equal um mm -hmm. but yeah so would you have any advice for non-women of color in the wellness space? Yeah, um, I think, you know, recognizing the power that you hold, not just in this world, but within your platform and to use that platform and that visibility to advocate for a holistic understanding of wellness and health is something that I really want to encourage white and non-women of color to to do you know to to do the work of allyship which is to understand the connections between social justice and wellness and to include and amplify underrepresented voices and brands and people as a central part of your platform right beyond just a couple weeks a year mm -hmm. um you know and i think other tangible things that non-Black and non-racialized folks can do who have platforms in the wellness space, like whether you are a movement practitioner, a health coach, you know, a blogger, an influencer of any form, is to think about who is attending your classes, who, who is your client population, and to question why, right? Like who follows you if you're an influencer? You know, is your advertising or your marketing, your branding inclusive if you are an influencer what about the brands with whom you work? Um, in the food blogging community, do you follow um, folks from underrepresented groups that might post about different cuisines that weren't part of your lived experience so that you can be exposed to new things? Like more to the point, do you engage with these posts? You know, do you help help these people's digital businesses by liking and sharing and saving and promoting their posts, right? All of these things seem insignificant, but if that's someone's business, that's a free way to show support. So don't just follow to feel good, follow and engage, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the last thing I'll say is that shining your spotlight and sharing your power with those who don't have it is super powerful. And so if you do have a platform, you know, maybe you get invited to a conference. I always give this example. Uh, and get invited to speak on a panel at a conference. You know, ask who else is going to be there. Who are the other panelists going to be? Ensure that there's diversity and interject if there is none, or refuse to participate unless the organizers agree to make it inclusive. Like I'm a woman of color, but I do this myself. You know, just last week I got asked to speak on a panel in terms of my academic work. And the first question I asked was, who are the other presenters? I wanna make sure that we are fostering inclusivity. To go back to my point, it's not that academics of color don't exist, so why aren't we trying to include them, right? Yeah. So that's just a bit of advice that I would give. Yeah, I remember, um, <laughs> even though this isn't about wellness, it's about Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce is central to our wellness. Okay, let's just set the record straight. <laughs> yeah, so before, I, I think she's with Adidas or something, but I think before she got with Adidas, when she was like, I guess, shopping different um, brands, maybe it was Reebok. I could be having the story all along, but it was a story out there that she walked into the meeting and there was not, and she asked who would be working on this campaign. And it wasn't one person of color in the room. And she walked. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So again, you know, like you said, she put her foot down and she made it known like, you know, I'm not going to give you me if you can't like, you know, represent 
you know me as yeah. well. You know exactly. exactly, and I think we have to be thinking as well about socioeconomic status and the way in which wealth is distributed. And you know, if you are uh, not a person of color and you have a big platform and you have a stable income and you can you know, economically make those choices about who you are and are not going to work with, you, that is your ethical responsibility to do that, right? Mm-hmm. If this is not about putting food on the table, and I think a lot of times, you know, everybody is different in terms of, in terms of the ethics and what they need and, and what they need to survive. But I think we as a society need to kind of recognize our social responsibility to look out for one another, right? So I think especially if you are a person who is making a good income, you should be super choosy and specific about who you work with and just really demand that inclusivity and diversity in the room. Yeah, exactly. If you want me, like, we're gonna, yeah, you can't just have the token me. It needs to, yeah. it needs to be spread out as well, too. Uh, this is this is really um, a great conversation that we're bringing to the table today because I also think we live in a society where we're just like we're we're kind of blinded and I don't think people blind it on purpose I just think they may not you know if you know better you do better yeah you're brought up a certain type of way and this was another discussion they're not necessarily you know but now that the discussion is here and it's on the table table people can start to understand, well, oh, maybe I should start doing offerings outside of the community that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you say, like now there's really no excuse, like in 2020 with all the resources at our disposal, with all these podcasts and webinars and books and Instagram slides that activists put together, like there's really no excuse to not know, right? Like, as you said, we all grow up in different ways. Many of us grew up in sheltered homes and in small towns, but now we have access to all of this. So it's time to do that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also I say to my women of color as well too, um, don't feel intimidated by the um, wellness space because mm-hmm. sometimes they don't um, look like us. And then we may be like, oh, that's not for us. That's not, you know, for us. Um, mm-hmm. I like I've definitely heard that those things um, in the past or, yeah. you know, <laughs> if I'm cooking, if I'm making lion manes, mushrooms, you know, my community, some people may be like, what is that? No way. That's not for me. <laughs> um but be open be open to it um and so on and definitely don't feel um intimidated by it just take what it's there and then you can go take what's there and then just build on you and be like hey I done took all this information from over here and over there and now I can bring it back to my community and we can just keep growing and learning and know more stuff and so mm-hmm. on and to the exactly. um to the non-women um, of color, I definitely, you know, challenge you like to look out and say, can, how can I give to women that don't look like me? Should I go out into the community yeah. and offer, you know, free yoga classes just so it can be something there, you know, that to people that may have never even, you know, they don't really know what yoga is, you know? You, some people may say oh, exactly you know and it's not you know it's a people thing <laughs> it's not you know one color but yeah sometimes when you don't see um people that look like you it 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 changes things and um and that's why I'm so happy that my kids are growing up in this community I mean this um this generation where they was able to see a black president like this was now a standard you know, when I was growing up, you know, that was not necessarily a standard to see, you know, Barack mm-hmm. Obama, Michelle Obama. So now, you know, they're growing up in a generation where this is now the new standard and so on. So, um, yeah, we just have to make sure that, you know, standards that we may have thought was for someone else, that it becomes all about standards, not just one class of people. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think 
my journey with autoimmune disease and within autoimmune paleo communities of people who follow specialty diets has also really highlighted the urgency of making wellness accessible, right? To kind of get to your point of, you know, using lion's beans, mushrooms, and, and you know, your friends asking like, what's that? Or being skeptical, I think it, it, it's about making wellness accessible, whether that be through food or movement or, or whatever it is. Uh, for me, as a black woman who is relatively new to the food blogging world, it's been less than a year since I began Heal Me Delicious. I'm really mindful about how these systemic, socioeconomic and other structural barriers to health that um, prevent or impede people from following specialty diets um, exist, right? I'm mindful that these things exist. And so I want to be part of and I want to see fellow AIP and food bloggers and health coaches really driving conversations around things like food justice, right? This holistic understanding of the structures and systems that surround food and that believe that access to healthy food is a human right, right? I wanted to see us all being vocal about the fact that the quality of the water that we drink and the foods that we eat and the proximity to which we live from fresh fruits and vegetables, all of that is really deeply political. So when people try to disentangle politics from wellness and politics from health and social justice from wellness, we can't do that, right? And this is this is especially true in places like the US and Canada in which we are both living and working. So we need to be making clear these connections between food insecurity and food injustice and, and our country's histories and you know the role that we need to play all of us white black um you know yeah. in in making these connections clear and working towards a better future in which wellness is accessible to all mm -hmm. yeah um i definitely agree yeah like i said you know to I, I can talk for myself that I'm definitely um, was a product of my environment. I was definitely, I'm raised in Harlem, New York. So it's a black community, <laughs> you know, we have Pathmark and um, the corner store. And, you know, so I definitely grew up on a very processed diet and I'm consciously trying to step out of it is definitely still there. You know, I, I definitely almost feel like a, um, an addict where I just need sometimes a hit from the corner store. Just gotta give me a little chocolate cake or something. Um, <laughs> because this is what I know. And this is what's been a part of my environment. Um, but now, you know, I, they have taken away the Pathmark supermarkets where Pathmark was just all processed. You buy Captain Crunch, you buy this, everything, you know, mm -hmm. it's just a whole bunch of processed lifestyle. But they, they, they removed that, those from my neighborhood. Like all, like all of that's pretty much gone now. And they put a big old Whole Foods in Harlem now. Um, so this is what's accessible to us. So now we have access to more fresh food. But at the same time, um, when you're in the from a generation that just grew up on a certain lifestyle it's hard to like readjust that um and it's not always financially available right like it's great that maybe a place like whole foods is closer to where you live but what are the costs of the foods at whole yeah. foods right are they accessible to the general population around it right like we need to also be mindful of the harmful effects of gentrification and you know, does that mean that residents just need to travel even further to get food? Or is it that we're trying to bring um, whole foods, you know, organic foods, sustainable foods into communities that is at an affordable price? Like there, there's so many factors and it's, it's not, I think it's important that we be mindful of that and not shame or feel guilt around the foods that we grew up on or used to eat because all of that and the reasons we ate what we ate um, are all connected to you know our country's histories of colonialism and to systemic racism that's embedded within the system so it's like what can we do now moving forward how can we advocate for better choices for our communities and for our health sustainably holistically long term yeah so with so yeah so now I see that they're trying to make the um the shift but I just want to also let people know like 
to be mindful of what's going on in your neighborhood as well too, because now Whole Foods is there, but they also, a couple of times a week, they have like these um, fresh fruit um, stands where they're like mm-hmm. um, getting um, produce from local farmers, like, you know, out in like upstate New York or whatever. And every week it's a different bag. And then they'll have, you'll just get this bag of like all this random, like um, produce for like $14 or something, which is a a great deal for all of this, like organic, you know, um, um, fruits and vegetables. But when I go and pick up my bag, I don't go every week, but when I go pick up my bag, I am literally (laughs) again, the sore thumb. It's like, other cultures know about this line that's in the middle of my neighborhood, but there's no one that looks like me standing online but me. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. it's like it's flattened. So I just want you know to just give the advice out there. You may you know see things happening for us to just you know be mindful of like oh what is this line that's happening? Oh do they have fresh fruits and vegetables? You know, and, I, and I'm thinking like, why does anyone else know about this? Why am I the only one of color standing on this line to get my fourteen bag, $14 bag of um, organic fruits and vegetables for the week? So um, I'm just giving that like tidbit to, you know, people of color that may be listening to me, that may be like in urban communities just as I am in, and to just, you know, be mindful of the little things that may be happening around us so we can maybe somehow start to just, you know, take advantage of it or, or be interested or just explore a little bit more. If that's the way we, if that's the direction we're desiring to go in towards. And sometimes we just don't know how to quite to get there. Um, so I just wanted to share that, <laughs> you know, cause that's just from my personal experience. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not here, but I don't know if people really know about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't be afraid to step into that role of of sharing with your community members and promoting online as you do unique in your platform, what you are doing on your wellness journey and on your health journey and encourage your friends and family members to follow you to whatever extent is feasible for them um, to to join in on this path towards wellness and and holistic health. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure if we digressed a little bit, but let's like circle back around to the um the AIP talk so what kinds of foods can you like eat on the protocol and like what are some of your favorite recipes oh so lots I mean I I mentioned in the beginning that beyond eliminating foods there's a big focus on this protocol on nutrient density so it's really important to incorporate nutrient dense foods like organ meats so like liver which many people might be like yuck um but i for instance take liver supplements so it's just a capsule that i take uh and that's like an easy way for me to get organ meat into my diet because it's really nutrient dense and great for our health um seafood fresh fruits and vegetables um, fermented foods are really great in terms of nutrient density. So things like sauerkraut and kimchi, and I have recipes for some of these on my blog on healmedelicious.com. And on the blog, I really try to emphasize to folks that AIP doesn't mean deprivation, right? Just because things like grains, so like gluten and rice and um, other, other grains, like are gone from your diet, it doesn't mean that carbohydrates are, right? It doesn't mean that starches are gone. This is not a weight loss diet. It's a way of eating that seeks to heal the gut and it's a complementary approach to chronic illness. And so, um, as I mentioned, I grew up in Trinidad and our food is influenced by so many cultures from Chinese and Spanish to Indian and African. And this really shows in our food. So, so many of the foods that I ate growing up in the Caribbean are foods that I feature prominently on healingdelicious.com and that feature in my AIP recipes. So things like tamarind and sweet potatoes and coconut and cassava and plantains and lime and fish and and you know, many other examples. So while the elimination phase of the diet contains many foods that you cannot eat, uh, you know, we, 
it's beneficial to change your perspective to think of what you can eat and how delicious those foods really are, right? And how, you know, so many of my readers tell me that they are inspired by my cooking because it encourages them to branch outside of what they're used to eating. And, and I think that's amazing, right? It's so amazing to eat outside of the standard North American diet and to explore some of these other foods, right? So, you know, we call them ground provisions in, in the Caribbean, things like cassava and edos and white fleshed sweet potatoes, and to use these in innovative ways in casseroles and to make doughs for cinnamon buns and things like that. All of these are things that I include on the blog and, and people get really excited about them because maybe it's an ingredient that they've never used before or maybe it is, but they've never used it in a preparation like this. So I use green bananas and plantains to make a beef patty dough, right? Things like that. Mm. Uh, people have responded really well to, they're delicious and, you know, lots of carbs <laughs> so delicious mm -hmm. and you know it's not about deprivation I, I sorry I have to interrupt um like green bananas to make a beef patty dough <laughs> yeah right so it's just thinking lots of people have never had a green banana right in Trinidad we call it green fig essentially just a green banana it's an unripened banana but when it's in that stage it is not sweet at all and so we prepare it by boiling it and then I mash it with plantains. You add some cassava flour, another type of flour, and you can make a dough right out of it. And so, yeah, no gluten is involved in that. And people are able to digest these things. Not, not all people, of course, right? Like we're all different, but um, these foods are allowed in quotes on the AIP elimination stage. So it's a way for people to kind of enjoy comfort foods or, you know, things like patties or pizza or cinnamon rolls um, without using grains. So that's, that's exciting to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. I need to go check that recipe out. I'm just so interested. Check it out. Yes, definitely. Um, do you have like an absolute favorite or like a go-to recipe that you make like every week? You know, everybody has like a food they just, is their go-to that they make all the time. I don't have one that, it, it changes all the time, right? So right now, you know, we're, we're having this conversation at the end of December and I am really making a lot of soups. And so one of the soups that I love on the blog is a Caribbean beef and sweet potato soup. Mm -hmm. And I am making that a lot. I'm also making a turkey and kale soup a lot that's made with squash and coconut milk and chicken stock. And yeah, I'm kind of like on the soup train right now. So I've been making those yeah. at least once a week. <laughs> Yeah, the great thing about soups is like you can almost make any type of soup you can think of as long as you just put some broth in with, with it as well. So versatile, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mm, so yummy. Like I, I'm getting hungry, like thinking about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you want to share anything else about the um, AIP that you think we should know or that would be informative towards us? Um, no, I mean, I think that's it. I share on my blog some more information about the AIP with links to folks who have done a lot of scientific research on this. And um, I encourage folks to check it out if you are living with a chronic illness or autoimmune disease uh, as a complementary lifestyle approach, you know, have a chat with your healthcare professional to determine if this might be right for you and have fun with it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I want to try it out just because I just feel like I do get a lot of irritations um, and I just never know what's triggering them. So I almost feel mm -hmm. like I want to try out just for that part. Um, but then I think, is that called like the whole 30? But um, I feel like in 2021, I'm going to try to do some type of elimination. So, and you're motivating me even more with your recipes. So I know it's going to be easier than when I'm setting my mind up to think it is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, even if you're not um, living with an autoimmune disease, I encourage you to try out some of my recipes. <laughs> They're delicious and you're not going to feel like you're on a diet in any way. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's no harm in trying out my recipes. I widely encourage it.
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your page is so beautiful. It's just like, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I want to try this. I want to try that. I definitely say that. <laughs> but I don't go back into it. I need to stop and do it. Um, but I know I definitely always look at your pictures be like, oh, that looks good. I need to try it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So before we close out the show, I would like to ask you, what does becoming unique mean to you? Uh, becoming unique. I think it, let me think about that one. I mean, I, I think we are all unique, right? So it's more about just kind of stepping into your power and growing in self-love and compassion and showing up authentically yes. as, as your true self, you know, and and for all this, of course, that's going to be different. And that's the beauty of it, right? It's, yes. it's to really do stuff for us and allow our light to shine just as we are. I think that's kind of what it means to me. Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. Um, stepping into your power. I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, there's always so many interpretations, but I love that stepping into your power. Um, yeah we're all so powerful it's not all it's not always easy but I think when you do it starts it starts becoming second nature you know for so much of us I mean for me definitely growing up in the Caribbean going to a Catholic school and you know being trained in, in certain forms of discipline and you know following a certain career path and and then just kind of taking a step back to recognize, you know, like what's the narrative that I've been fed? I'm yeah. on autopilot. Let me slow down. Let me pause. Let me, you know, live for me. And I think the sooner we get to that point in our life, the better, the better our life is. It's not, it's certainly not easy, but it's so powerful when you do it, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I relate to that so much because of the fact that that's why this is called becoming unique. It's me finally understanding after <laughs> after 40 that I am an individual and I can step into my mm -hmm. power so yeah so that's why I love what you said stepping into your power but it took me over 40 years to understand that it was my time to finally step into it so yeah beautiful never too never too late never too late never <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah so now tell the audience how they can connect with you so you can follow me on Instagram at HealMeDelicious and you can check out my blog, HealMeDelicious.com. Try out a recipe. If it's within your budget, you can purchase an ebook. And um, yeah, I hope to hear from you. If you do try a recipe, let me know, leave a review. And I wish you all the best on your healing journeys and your becoming unique journeys. <sighs> Thank you so much, Nicole. You are such a pleasure. And thank you so much for just like informing us and just, I, I know you definitely helped school me a little bit more. So thank you, thank you, thank you. My pleasure. It was great to be in conversation. Have a good one. Thank you so much, Nicole. You were incredible. I am so happy that we touched on the topics of wellness diversity and wellness accessibility. Now, as I was re-listening to the podcast, I was cleaning off my dining room table and on my dining room table, I had two whole food receipts from the past two days. One of the receipts was a total of $74 and the second receipt was a total of $52. And I still currently have absolutely no food in my house right now. I don't have anything to make for dinner. And this is to go back on Nicole's response of her saying that, yes, they bought Whole Foods to your neighborhood, but at what cost? Yeah, I, I didn't expand on her response at that time, but I'm, I guess I'm going to sort of expand at this point. Yes, at what cost? I personally cannot afford to shop Whole Foods and have a house full of groceries. I literally shop Whole Foods for the convenience of it being in the neighborhood. But for me to honestly have a kitchen full of groceries, I have to go outside my neighborhood, just as she said. 
I choose to go to Trader Joe's um, to shop and Trader Joe's is definitely an excursion, you know, so I have to mentally prepare myself for, I have to like figure out what day I'm going and plan a time and so on, because it's not just like, I'm just going to get up and walk in and walk out. Trader Joe's is a, is an ordeal. <laughs> so yeah, it's just to bring that back to the table. It's like they put this in the neighborhood, but at what cost? Now, I don't have a convenient place to honestly food shop. Whole Foods is amazing and I love going in there. But in reality, can I really afford to feed my family at Whole Foods? Not really. And when I do my my shopping to have food on the table, I have to go outside of the neighborhood. So yeah, it's just something to ponder on. I, I did get news that Trader Joe's is coming to Harlem. But that's in 2023. So I have a couple of more years to, you know, run back and forth across town to get food in the house. Now I would like to segue over into my story of not wanting to apply for a job at my gym. I guess because my fear of bias. And just to touch base on this a little bit, because sometimes people may be unaware of the biases that are happening all the time. And I guess I'm feeling the bias as a black woman all the time because people may judge me because I look like a certain way and think I belong over here when, in fact, I'm neutral. We're all neutral. And I think when we see someone or meet someone, we should always have a neutral opinion, feeling about them without thinking they belong in this category because they look like something. Because I'm not circulating stores much anymore because we're still in COVID season. But I swear, if I go to Petco or a store, and and this one's a little more recent because I went to Petco recently and I swear I have my jacket on. I'm a consumer. I'm looking in the aisles and three times within five minutes, I was stopped to say, excuse me, not excuse me. Do you work here? Excuse me. Where is blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. Where is blah, blah, blah. And all of the times I'm like, I have my coat on like you. I don't work here. So you know, the biases are there. And and maybe that's why I have my fear of not wanting to work at the um the gym because I didn't want to someone to think I'm only here because I work here. I want you know, or whatever the reasoning is behind it. So let's be mindful to always look at someone in a neutral in a neutral with a neutral eye. And not have these preconceived judgments. So just before I end today's podcast, I am going to give you a soundbite from someone's Instagram story that I follow. And it it has to do with bias. And I'm going to give you that soundbite. And then I'll be back to close the show out. But listen to this soundbite about bias. So we can start to have more of an understanding around it. So hopefully you guys can see me. I'm going to share with you a moment about bias. So I'm in this grocery store, one I shop in quite often in Washington. I love this grocery store. And uh, as soon as I come up to the checkout sign, um, checkout lane, the uh, check person says, Instacart. She doesn't say hi. She doesn't say, how are you? She says, Instacart. And I say, I'm sorry, what do you mean? And she says, do you work for Instacart? Now, I'm not really sure what gave her that impression that I did. Nothing wrong with working for Instacart. But here's the bias. The woman behind me, who was a white woman, she didn't ask her that. She had her phone out. She didn't ask her anything about Instacart. When I asked the checkout person why you asked me if I worked at Instacart, she said it's because I had my phone out. But I politely pointed out to her that the woman behind me, who was also had her phone out and was white, she did not ask her if she worked for Instacart. So that there are biases that people may be unconsciously or consciously aware of. So I politely explained it to the manager so that she could educate her. I also did share that bias information with the checkout person. Um, This is what we deal with all the time. And for some of you, it won't even mean anything to you because you just can't 
understand or you're unwilling to understand the biases that people of color, black people in particular, deal with every day. And yes, it could be a mistaken identity, but I think it's interesting if you ask one person who looks like me and the other person who doesn't look like me. So lesson learned. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Becoming Unique podcast. I appreciate everyone that has listened to this episode to the end. If you want to support the Becoming Unique podcast, share the podcast, talk about the podcast. The best advertisement is always word of mouth. So be open to sharing the Becoming Unique podcast. So don't forget, I'm here every Sunday with a new episode. So I will see you guys next Sunday. Bye.